0: of medical intervention. Unlike the kidneys, the aging gastrointestinal tract is likely to become the source of symptoms of various kinds, though here, too, there's great variability among individuals. Acid reflux, constipation, diverticulitis, gallstones, swallowing abnormalities, susceptibility to bacterial gastroenteritis, decreased sphincter reliability hemorrhoids, all of these are far more likely to plague the old than the young. But some of these changes are not, strictly speaking, due to age. Instead, they are caused, or at least abetted, by the generally sedentary patterns into which older people too commonly lapse many allow themselves to become far less mobile than they once were to ingest fewer liquids and dietary fiber and to take more questionably necessary medications which may worsen any propensities to gastrointestinal problems of course older people's increased frequency of comorbid disease also worsens such propensities the solution to some but obviously not all of these problems is often found in the greater activity that is the product of not thinking of oneself as over the hill. Ultimately, scientists still know far less about the biology of aging than they would like to. In many respects, it remains a great mystery, just as life itself is a great mystery. But we live it with the knowledge we have, just as we must face aging with the knowledge we have. And despite all uncertainties, there are matters we already understand very well. One of them is the principle of maintenance. Though there is much in our bodies and in our susceptibility to disease and aging that we will never be able to control, we yet have far more influence on aspects of these processes than has until recently been realized. Not to use that influence is to allow oneself to succumb to an unjustified resignation that has marred and shortened the lives of generations of our forebears. Not to use that influence is to invite debility, disease, and death. In matters of longevity. A certain very few men and women not only have outdone the vast majority of humankind, but have made such good use of their extra years that they are a wonderment to the rest of us. These are people who stride through their ninth and tenth decades with much the same enthusiasm and productivity that characterize their fifth or sixth. We would all like to emulate them but nature and reality dictate that only a minuscule number of us will be granted the realization of that fond hope. Such a devoutly wished-for consummation would demand a unique combination of nature, nurture, and luck given only to supremely rare individuals who might be called outliers on the graph of human capability. But as distinctively bestowed as such people may be, As remote as is the possibility that any of us will, at a late stage of life, be able to do the kinds of things they accomplish daily, there is yet a great deal to be learned by contemplating the examples they set. A great deal can be learned also by meditating on the ways in which personal philosophy can take maximal advantage of constitutional endowment by meditating on the ways in which some individuals can forge a fusion of mind and body so remarkable that to be in its presence is to experience a surpassing awe for the potentialities of our species. Though perhaps in lesser ways and for a lesser time, the rest of us may learn much that is useful in the lessons these individuals' lives can teach. And who knows, there may be rare, fortunate ones among us who, in later years, Will look back and be able to say that we have survived to live life's final phase as fully as they have. Such an exemplar of vibrant longevity is Dr. Michael DeBakey. To appreciate what Dr. DeBakey has become in his late 90s requires an understanding of what he had been throughout his life, of which his presence.